This is episode number 66 of the Birding Life podcast. My name is Adam and I'm your host on the podcast where we discover birds and the people that pursue them. In today's episode, we'll be looking at BirdLife South Africa's 2021 Owl Awards that they hosted virtually on the 22nd of June. We'll find out all about the awards, how the winners are chosen, and get to hear from a few of this year's winners. This episode is both an opportunity to celebrate the great work that BirdLife South Africa is doing, but also to celebrate the great conservation heroes that received the awards. The Birding Life podcast is produced in association with the Bird Lasso bird logging app, Spot, Plot, Play a Part. Download and install the app to play your part in social conservation. We are also proud to be associated with Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars, and spotting scopes. We have been using a pair of Swarovski binoculars on the field for more than a year now, and they have really taken our birding to a new level. If you have never tried a pair, find a stockist and try them out. You won't believe how much better you will see birds. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast to help others find the show. Please also tell others you know about the show. If you'd like to contribute to help us cover the costs associated with hosting the show, you can click on the link in the comments section of this episode and buy us a coffee or two. So to start the episode, I'm going to have a chat to Mark Anderson, the CEO of BirdLife South Africa. After that, we'll get to hear from four of this year's winners. We'll give them each a short introduction and then allow them to share their story. Okay, Mark, I want to welcome you back to the podcast. It's been a while since we chatted. It's good to chat to you again. No, nice to uh, talk to you, Adam. I'm really, we're going to be chatting about the Isle Awards, the 2021 Isle Awards that took place last week. But before we do that, I'm really pleased to see that the world's best bird magazine is on the shelves, the July-August edition of the African BirdLife magazine. So can you give us a quick teaser of some of the highlights in this month's edition? Yeah, it's, uh, we're very pleased that it's already out. And believe it or not, um, it's on time once again. So yeah, kudos to our editor and her team. There's a lot I like about this uh, issue of the magazine. You know, everyone is, is really nice. And I kind of really spend a, a week or two enjoying it and savoring you know, all the different parts of the magazine. But this one, I like the cover photo. There's a fantastic um, photo of a southern ground hornbill taken by Michael Mason, Probably one of the best pictures I've ever seen of the species. And then uh, there's some Montague's Harrier pictures that Hugh Chittenden took in Kruger um, this last summer. And they're probably the best Montague Harrier's pictures I've ever seen. And actually been corresponding with you about that uh, in the last few days and telling me how about how fortunate he was. And he says, yeah, very lucky. But I said to him, you know, you, it's the more, more time one spends in the field, one, the luckier one gets. And then there's a really nice interview with Peter Stain, authors of Birds of Prey of Southern Africa. A really lovely interview about him. And, uh, you know, he's just made an amazing contribution to our knowledge of birds in general, but birds of prey in, in particular over 60-odd years. And there's a photo portfolio by L.B. Fenter, which is uh, really nice, some really nice pictures. An article which I think will be of interest to people is a review of spotting scopes by Martin Bernardi. And I know our binocular reviews always do very well. We don't do as many spotting scope reviews as I suppose we should. So I think this will be interesting. And I can imagine I'll be emailing that article to a lot of people over the next couple of years so they can get some sort of informed advice on which spotting scope to purchase. And then, uh, you know, the last bit I could maybe just mention is the um, citation um, for the Gill Memorial Medal. David Allen, who's well known to you folk in, in KZN, he received the prestigious Gill Memorial Medal. 
And when one reads that citation, that abbreviated citation in the magazine, one can then realize how deserving he is of that award and that recognition. Now, Mark, the magazine just seems to be getting better and better and better. Um, Like you said, every edition is just fantastic. And I've said this before, but what I love about the magazine and anyone who's listening who, you know, is not bought one of the magazines before it's it's great in terms of the fact that it gives you the the deepest stuff for more experienced birders but for people that are maybe starting off the journey there's there's there's, there's the articles are also very accessible so it's a fantastic magazine and like I said I do I've read quite a few bird magazines from around the world and I think I really without I can say it without hesitation that's probably the best I've I've actually encountered personally thanks Adam that's very kind of you to pay those compliments and um you know my, my part is very small and you know, the feathers really in our editor and her team's caps, and they do do an amazing job. And you know, I've seen bird magazines from elsewhere in the world, and when I travel and you know go and see some of the other bird life partners, uh, one of the first things I'm interested in doing is having a look at their magazines. And we certainly do uh, produce a really excellent magazine. So yeah, long may it continue. So last week, BirdLife South Africa hosted the twenty. 20- 21 Owl Awards was the first time I think it's been done virtually. So tell us a little bit about the awards and the history of the event also. Yeah, so we've been presenting Owl Awards um, since 1999. So that's 22 odd years. And uh, so it's uh, you know, kind of a tradition that the organization has to recognize people and organizations who are contributing to the conservation of birds and also assisting BirdLife South Africa. And you know, people need to be recognized for what they do. And this is one very small way in which we can do so. And the awards have varied over the years, the award themselves. And at the moment, and for the last n- number of years, we've been giving bronze statuettes produced by Charles Craig Jewelers. I mean, they really are beautiful awards. And they're mounted in some crystal glass. Together with that, the recipients get a certificate as well. And I, I, you know, I get a tear in my eye and I get you know, goose flesh when I listen to the citations and when I just look at the expressions on the recipients' faces and realize how important it is to acknowledge what people do. Um, and it certainly encourages them to continue doing what they do so well. And um, although most of them, I suppose, do it for the love of it. But um, yeah, it's just, it's a, just a lovely thing to do to, to just thank people in this way. Like you said, most people who won the awards, or probably all of them, do it for the love of what they, they do. But what qualifies one to win an Isle Award? Okay, really, it is contributions to bird conservation and also you know, support to BirdLife South Africa. We present 12 awards every year. Nine of them are Owl Awards, and you know, we get lots of nominations for those Owl Awards. So the panel have their work cut out deciding on who the most suitable recipients are. And we also present an Owlet Award, and that's to somebody who's 18 years and younger and uh, really happily more and more young people are being nominated for the Owlet Awards. So there are you know, a growing number of young people who, who you know, are contributing to bird conservation. And we also present two Eagle Owl Awards. And these awards are to people or organizations who've been contributing to bird conservation over a longer period. So chat us through some of this year's winners and also why some of them won the award. Yeah, there's um, it's an interesting group of people this year and quite a nice mix. Um, I was very pleased with the nominations we received and I was very pleased with the, the recipients that the panel decided which, you know, most eligible this year to receive an award. And, you know, the information is available on our website, but... Um, just a couple, just to mention, um, Gavin Peterson, who works out at Stony Point um, Penguin Colony, 
at Biddy's Bay. You know, he received the award and, you know, he looks after the penguins there. He works for Sandcob. We we also work very closely with him. And I was I was just I watched his face um as his citation was read out and he was just blown away by the award and um he sent a lovely email subsequent to receiving it, which also warmed my heart. And then we gave a posthumous award to Saul Sotole. He was uh, worked at the Transvaal Museum, now the Ditsong Museum in Pretoria. He worked there for 62 years, works with, worked with Austin Roberts. He was involved in taxidermy, so a lot of the bird specimens in the collection, which are so important to science, and were prepared by Saul. And, you know, he wasn't really recognized or known for his work until books and chapters and books have recently been written around him. So, you know, Saul has passed away a long time ago, but we did, we are presenting the award to his great-grandson, uh, Tembazita, and the family are very pleased that, um, you know, the elder has been recognized in this way. And incidentally, we've actually named the library at Isdal House, our head office in Johannesburg, the Saul Sotole Memorial Library, and there's a nice citation and photograph on the wall of our library. And just a third one to mention is uh, Nikki Forbes, um, who's the chairman um, of your bird club town in Durban. She she received an award as well. And uh, yeah, just reading, listening to her citation as well. I mean, the amount of stuff she's done down there in Natal is, is really incredible. And particularly, you know, member recruitment, she's done a great job there as well. And, you know, there's others, Dalstrom Trout Farm. They they um, look after the Middlepit Wetland which is very important for the white-rigged fluff-tail, only known site for where the species breeds in, in South Africa. It's another important uh, recipient. So, yeah, um, 12 people. In fact, we gave 13 awards this year because the Owlet Award was split between two guys, two young guys from George. But, yeah, all very, very deserving. And the citations are available on our website, and there will be um, abbreviated citations in the next issue of African BirdLife magazine. Yeah, we are quite excited to see Mark Hastick receiving an Alit Award because yeah, he's hosting our youth birding podcast. So we are very excited about that. Yeah, um, and I was listening to that um, webinar that we did with him um, on the day before Youth Day, and I was very impressed with him. Um, very confident young man, um, very eloquent. So yeah, it's uh, really great to see him so interested in birds, and I think yeah, the future bodes well for him. So Mark, lastly. You know, we are right in the middle of a pandemic and, you know, when this episode is going out, we've moved from level three to level four and economically, many people, it's it's a difficult time. So the question, you know, I want to ask you is, you know, for people that, are, that take up membership with BirdLife South Africa, what impact does that membership have? Your membership is important. I mean, it generates um, some funding for us. Um, we keep our membership fee low because we want to have as many members as possible. But we do generate income from our membership, and that helps our conservation work and keeping the organization going. But importantly, you know, we are opposing more and more um, developments, which we believe are, will have an unsustainable impact on the environment. Um, there's a development, a coal mine proposed for the Mobola Protected Environment near Vakastrum, and we think that's not a good idea because um, it's in a strategic water source area and an area which is very important for biodiversity. But when we oppose these applications, it's always quite nice to say you have an army of supporters behind you who support um, what, what you're doing. And our members learn from us. They learn from us through the monthly newsletters, through the magazine, through our webinars, um, through other interactions, through our 41 affiliated bird clubs as well. And they essentially all become ambassadors for birds and for nature as well. And, 
you know, I always encourage people, you know, when you're going to go birding, take somebody along, take your neighbor, take a, take a nephew, take a friend as well, expose them to the wonderful words, world of birds and the environment. So you know, there's many more, re- many reasons why we want more members. And uh, lovely to see our, really lovely to see our membership grow significantly um, in years to come. We are seeing that, you know, people really are supportive of our efforts, our conservation efforts, and uh, you know, our direct membership, which is just membership of BirdLife South Africa, not a member of a bird club, is growing really nicely. And these are generally younger folk, um, professional people, and I think people are now really noticing that BirdLife South Africa is an important conservation organisation, and the future of our country's natural environment is to you know, a large extent dependent on the success of us, us and other similar. NGOs in in South Africa. So, yeah, for those who aren't a member, please consider joining. Mark, thanks so much again for your time. I know this has been a quick whirlwind chat, but we really appreciate your time. And we're going to hear a whole lot more in this episode from some of the Owl Award winners. So thanks for your time. And just again, on behalf of the birding community in South Africa, we just want to say thank you for all the hard work you're doing. And, you know, for every listener out there, I encourage you to support BirdLife South Africa. They are doing a fantastic, fantastic work. So thanks for your time, Mark. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Adam. Nice to chat. Hey everyone, it's Mark Haystack here. Today I'm with Pete again, or as we call him, Uncle Peter, who has been birding for more than six decades. His experience as a teacher has allowed him to make birding accessible for people of all ages in different parts of the world. He has authored and co-authored many bird-related books, including 10 bird guides. Peter is a birder whose life has had an impact on so many people. During the Second World War, we lived in the country and we had no petrol, so I went birding. I just around the area where I lived which was actually near Swartkorp's golf course, just below Voortrekker Hoogta, where my father was in the Air Force. I think that birding is one of the most exciting, most interesting things you can do um, out in the open. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a town guy. I, I like the bush. And so going out there, looking at birds, it's all very well looking at things like elephants and lions. Mm. Um, but really, how often can you do that? Whereas I can walk out of my house and I've got birds. I can go into the bush anywhere I like, I've got birds. So that's why I've always been interested in them. And what I really am interested in is what are they doing? Not, I don't, I'm not a ticker, I'm not a twitcher, but I like to see what birds are doing, how they eat, what they eat, how they build nests, where they build nests. The, I think the biggest thing is to teach people how to recognize the birds that they see. If you see a bird and you don't have any idea what it is, I don't suppose you get very interested. But once you know something about identification and you can say, okay, I know that's a sparrow or a dove or a black sparrowhawk, I can, you then get more interested in them. And so that is what I've been concentrating on, is teaching, particularly young people, but older people as well, how to identify the birds that they see around them. The, the bird courses that I run have been both for, for adults, particularly retired people, and also kids. My current kids' class, there are seven in each of the, each of the two classes, aged 6 to 12. And I'm trying to teach them how to identify the birds around them. So the emphasis is what is here in George, rather than what is in Kruger. But if someone's going to Kruger, I can help them get them ready to go there. Get out whenever you can, I think, is the most important thing. I think you're a classic example of someone who gets out there and (laughs) finds the birds. 
I, I'm now perhaps past my full-time birding sort of thing, and I don't get out nearly as often as I should. But way back when, I used to spend a lot of time out just watching, observing, and also in those days, remembering what I saw. Today, I'm inclined to forget what I saw yesterday. So the next two winners we can have a chat to is Mark Hastick and Justin Ponder, who were joint Owlet Award winners this year. They started birding together in 2017 and in 2018 joined the Lakes Bird Club. They have been committed members and have contributed to many conservation initiatives. Mark Hastick is the host of the Birding Life Youth Podcast, and both Mark and Justin are Birding Life Ambassadors. So let's hear first from Justin. Hi everyone, my name is Justin Ponder. Recently I was privileged enough to receive an Owlet Award from BirdLife South Africa. I've always loved wildlife, ever since I was a small kid. Birds, mammals, scorpions, it has always interested me, but for years I did not push that interest. In early 2017, that interest started growing a bit, and I found myself wanting to know the names of every bird that I saw. My lifelong friend Mark Hestak was feeling the same thing, so we decided that we would start pursuing it together. As 2017 started to draw to a close, Mark got an invite to head up to Grahamstown for a week, where his uncle had a game farm. Mark asked me if I was keen to join, and in the first week of December we took the long drive up. Seeing all the different and new birds, it drove us crazy. We started waking up earlier to get more time to look, and we found ourselves looking for places where we could see new birds. Getting back from this trip, I realized that I would never be the same. The more I looked, the more birds I saw. Growing up, money was never something my family had much of, and vacations were usually cheap and rustic. This could have been seen as a major downside, but all I saw were birds. I did not mind if our whole December holiday was spent on the edge of a river next to a very noisy bar, because I could escape downstream where I would find five different kingfishers in the space of five minutes. Birds were always there for me, no matter where I was. If the house was getting too noisy, and the house can get noisy with me, I've got four siblings. I could sit on the roof to watch birds to escape the noise from the household. If I needed some encouragement to finish schoolwork, I could always plan a birding excursion. I was finding out that birders were amazing people who would often invite me along when they went out birding. Pete again was one of the first birders I met, and he has been one of my greatest mentors. In my budding years of birding, Sand Parks would hold a birding get-together every single year, and Peter would always do a talk about birding. It was here that I learned all the basics about the hobby. Through Peter, I met Christian Falloon. Christian was a birder who graduated varsity a few years prior, and myself and Mark connected with him much better than other birders, as he was a similar age to us. Christian was always keen to have us join him on birding walks, and in early 2018, he invited me to join the Lakes Bird Club on an outing. This was my first ever experience with a bird club, and it changed the way I birded for the better. After the first outing with the club, I decided I just had to be a part. So I started joining them on as many outings as I could. As a youngster, being in a bird club was a golden gift. The bird club members were all very experienced, and on outings they would teach us all they knew about birds. 
We also got to know many of the members, and they were always keen to give us lifts to outings, twitches, and bird club talks. I also got to know Pat Nurse, the chair of the bird club, and she has been one of my biggest supporters through my birding. Birding can be quite a tough hobby for a youngster, and being in a supportive community was one of the main reasons I stuck with it. Occasionally, too, other young birders would join the club, and one of these, Ludwig Muller, became a great friend of mine. For birders who want to improve on their birding skills, especially the youngsters, I would definitely advise you join a bird club. A bird club is one of the biggest supporters. It's one of the main reasons I kept birding. All the people there that support you, who will encourage you, and who will, they're just there for you throughout your birding journey. It has been an incredible gift that I've been able to join the Lakes Bird Club, which is one of the best bird clubs in the country, if I do say so myself. I'm now sitting in my final year of high school and I can start looking more seriously at my future. I'm a big twitcher and myself and a few friends are getting ideas to become some of the youngest birders to reach the 900 species mark in Southern Africa. I have a passion for birds and all things wild and I hope one day to share this passion with others, either as a part-time or as a full-time guide. Thanks, Justin. It was really great hearing from you. So let's hear now from our youth birding podcast host, Mark Haystick. Hi there, my name is Mark Haystick. Now, one might wonder, what is the thrill for young birders? What makes birders excited about this hobby? Because usual people or non-birders think that, you know, it's just this, it's a thing that old people do when they're retired. They wear floppy hats, they walk around with binoculars, and they, or they sit in bird hide and wait for a bird to come into view. As, and, and they just do it because they have nothing else to do. Now, that that that's not even true for older birders and especially for younger birders. When I think of birding, I think of <laughs> a total adventure. I put my khaki clothes on, I get ready to go bushwhacking, I bring my binoculars with me into the field to look at these treasures of which there are 11,000 around the world to find and the thing is that you don't get tired of looking at one and yet there are 11,000 to find around the world. And not one person has seen all of them. And I think that for young people, photography has a big part to play in the amount of people getting interested in birding now. Because, you know, now with cameras more accessible to everyone, it's not just about going into the field with your binoculars. You actually go with your camera as well. And you can take photos of these things and study them more closely. You have a new challenge to try and get a better photograph every time. You know, it becomes an art now as well. And with photography here kids start showing their their adventures and their finds on social media and share it with other people as well and it gets more people interested because you see ah this teenager's you know this teenager is photographing wildlife it's not it's actually something that teenagers do so people feel more comfortable to start as well so i think that photography definitely has a big role to play in youth birding and more people getting involved in it Last year, I realized that the reason I went out birding so much was because of the competitions I was part of. When I started off birding, I never even used to know what competitions were, but I still went out with my bins all the time. And I thought to myself, what changed? I never used to know about these birding competitions, exception being the big year, (laughs) the birding big year movie. Yet I still wanted to go out birding just as much and with just as much enthusiasm as I do now. But... I now realize why I had that enthusiasm. It was me looking for the experience of seeing my next new bird. And the thing is that I had no clue what a life list was. 
but I still had that enthusiasm to look for birds. It was simply that feeling of your eyes meeting a new species you've never witnessed before and enjoying the privilege of seeing a bird go about its life. Even a bird I'd seen a thousand times before, I didn't see it as a ticked off checkbox. Last year, I lost that enthusiasm. Now that I've reached matric this year, birding challenges come last and now that that's to the side, I realize that I need to appreciate birds more again. But that doesn't mean I can't do birding challenges, I just have to keep a balance between the two. Now maybe some people know it's a thing that young people do, but they feel it's not a common thing around the world today for youth to have a passion for looking at birds and, and bird photography. Because I mean, when I first joined my school, the other students would ask me, you know, what are your interests? What do you like to do? And I'd say hiking, wildlife photography, exploring and birding. And they'd say, okay, so you're a nature guy. So do you just take pictures of bugs and birds and bushes? And I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> and I'd show them some of my pictures and they'd say, gee, I wish I could take photos like that. And in my mind, I would just be thinking, but you can, you've just got to start. And they don't think that because the youth trend has never been about getting together with your friends. And I've said this before and grabbing your camera and slipping your hiking boots on to go photograph some animals. It's more like getting together with your friends, grabbing your phone and putting your vans on and then taking selfies. It's just not thought of as something that kids do these days. During lockdown last year, I would guess that most of the kids around South Africa were twiddling their thumbs and keeping themselves busy with video games. Whereas I, I, was, <laughs> I was keeping myself busy with birding to try and get a big list of all the species I could see during lockdown on my property. Um, and besides that, I also, I got bored and I was really list to, to get out into, into nature again. But, you know, it was very much restricted. So I started writing these poems about birding and stuff and I sent them to my local bird club on WhatsApp and we actually... <laughs> One of the members actually um, created a song out of it. It was quite funny, uh, but really, yeah, they ended up loving it a lot. And I, yeah, so I, I'm very passionate about nature and I, I enjoy writing poems. And uh, recently, since lockdown, I've started writing more poems about, about birding and nature in general. And also another thing that kept me busy during lockdown was I started drawing birds. And my most recent drawing my favorite one of two chin spot battises I got it printed on a white t-shirt for my birthday and my, my parents gave it to me as a surprise and I got this idea to to start printing more of them and advertise them to the bird club and I soon got quite a few orders and I sold t-shirts with my drawing printed on it so as I stated in one of my poems, birding has opened many doors for me and it has basically applied to most aspects of my life and I, I can definitely say that it's not a hobby anymore, it's officially a lifestyle. But I would never be the bird I am today had it not been for my bird club. And us younger birders, myself and my birding buddies, can complain a lot about older folk. But you know, it, older folk have been around for much longer than we have and some of them are five or more times our age and some of us younger birders don't feel the need to be part of bird clubs anymore and we don't need to because you know we want to go more places we want to climb mountains to find cape rock jumpers and the older people in bird clubs don't do that as often they go on this the same routinely walks each year and they walk slowly and appreciate the birds in a peaceful, slow manner, whereas <laughs> many of us youth birders 
are more adventurous than that. But you know what? I I gotta say that I got into birding because of older people. My mentors are all older people. My bird club is like my community now. They all look up to us youngsters of the club in a certain way and we all look up to them because they really appreciate our enthusiasm for nature and they are very supportive of us youngsters in the club so they always offer for lifts they always congratulate us on certain things and they're always so involved in helping us out and being there for us in the club and many of my mentors are from my local bird club and some of them are more than five times my age and they have lived through stuff that i couldn't imagine and have experienced these awesome experiences in birding and learned so much so i think that bird clubs are very relevant because you can learn so much from the older folk and the younger folk in the club and also get to experience more of a community and relationship and build relationships with younger and older people and also you become quite famous because most bird clubs these days don't have young people and so all the older people know you and you <laughs> you struggle to know who all the older people are since I began birding, I've always wanted to be a field guide and I've always been excited about working in the bush, working in nature, but I don't just want to be a guide or like a typical game ranger guy in the Kruger National Park. I also want to have that feeling that I'm giving back to nature in conservation. So I also want to get some sort of degree that I can be involved in giving back to nature and conserving it as well as teaching others about it so that they can understand why us nature lovers love nature so much. But for the meantime, I have an outdoor adventure club that I've started here in the garden route where I take people out for walks in the mountain to special places and I do a bit of guiding here and there. And I want to start growing it into a business as one of my steps towards field guiding and conserving nature. So the last person we're gonna hear from is a person who is a personal friend of mine, Sietambisa Blessing Majoga who is a field ranger with Etiquini Municipality's Natural Resources Division. His love for not only birds, but also all things nature, have inspired many people to show a greater interest in the natural world around him. He is much loved in the birding community and is able to share his knowledge with both adults and children. We are proud to have Blessing in the Birding Life team and have some exciting things planned with him. We are proud to be working in association with Wild Books to help get all the best birding resources into your hands at a great price. If you would like to support the Birding Life project and the resources that we are putting out, please click on the link in either the comment section of this podcast or in our social media posts. Your support helps us to improve and hopefully make a bigger impact. Be sure to head over to our website www.thebirdinglife.com and check out all the exciting resources that we have on our website, including our exciting forum section to connect you with the world of birding, birders, and exciting birds out there. Do not forget to follow The Birding Life on Instagram and Facebook. We really appreciate everyone that takes the time to interact with these accounts. Be sure to check out Birdlasser and download the app on either iOS or Android and keep a life list while playing your part in social conservation. As well as Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars and spotting scopes. So until next time, be blessed and happy birding. <laughs>